Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and people outside the binary. This is Less Stupid, the first episode. Uh, kind of. And I have here with me, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Lucas Hansen. I'm a journalism and computer science student at the University of Oregon, and I'm here to interview our host. Right on. Going to be. We were just, it, yeah, we it, were just having a disagreement on who's hosting what here. Yes, <laughs> yes. And who's interviewing who, but thank yeah. you. Yeah, well, I'm running for mayor. They probably know that, but your professor doesn't. Yeah. Hello, what's your professor's name? My professor's name is Peter Laufer. He's a chair at the University of Oregon School of Journalism. Awesome. Well, they sure do have a great J school. And if I had been a student at UO, which frankly, I kind of should have been, <laughs> I went to a small school in Minnesota and I'm glad that I went elsewhere and was around a lot of really brilliant small school kind of energy people. However, uh, I'm a duck. I'm a duck at my heart. Yeah. And uh, also that school was really tiny and in the middle of nowhere. And it was there was snow on the ground from November to April. So It was Carleton College, correct? Yeah, Carleton College. Yeah. Exactly. Had you heard of it? Uh, no, not really. I had just done some precursory research beforehand, as cool. is typical for journalists. So Much appreciated. Yeah. Well, I'll go ahead and, and, and shut the hell up uh, and let you just kind of um, fulfill your class assignment yes. as this is. And I'm just so glad as an educator and as a political candidate that you reached out today. So yes. thanks, dude. Okay, right. So I know I... I like message you to talk about the impeachment that's going on but first i just like to warm things up with something more lighter and probably something that's easier to talk about which is just your personal life and that is something that i am very interested in on a personal level as well because cool. you just strike me as a rather interesting character <laughs> so you went to north eugene high you have a bachelor's of uh, arts in American studies correct. from Carleton College. Mm -hmm. And if I am correct, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're continuing studying a master's of arts in social science education at the Teachers College at Columbia University. This guy as, knows what's up. Yeah, as the t-shirt would say. So yes, you clearly, <laughs> and also you are a frequent member, or at least somewhat frequent member, of the like 4J Eugene School District. So yeah. you clearly have a vested interest in education. Deeply. As this podcast also demonstrates. <laughs> yeah. So just what is it that draws you to this field and what makes you so passionate about it? Here's the first thing I'll say, because I like to be a big idea, big thinker person. Universal English language education for any child on planet Earth who wants it. That's where I would answer your question immediately. And now, okay, how do we get there? Uh, and why? What's the purpose of such a thing? Well, let's back up. I went to some really outstanding K-12 through schools here in 4J at the time when they were outstanding, frankly. So Eugene Gakwen continues to be a really, really excellent school, um, elementary school, and then Kelly Middle School, and then North Eugene High School. I'm proud to have attended all those schools. But I really deeply felt, alongside most of my classmates, that our schools were not getting the support from the state budget, from uh, the 4J school board, that they needed. And it's one of those situations where, in leadership of a school district, um, you can have a bunch of individually wonderful people who get together and make boneheaded decisions. And <laughs> I'm kind of tired of seeing that happen at the school board level at the county level the city level the state level federal level and even you know in the, in the united nations so 
um, what what people will find about my candidacy is that it is aggressive, it's combative, it's pissed off, it's progressive, and wants to get things done. But in order to have a truly more equal society, an equitable society, I think we have to elect educators. So I think we need good teachers and people with a great education themselves, frankly, to be in office and that can, for example, engage a group of 20 to 200 people, just go up and start public speaking. The current mayor, eh, not really that good at that. Uh, And just being able to bring in the expertise and let's say even the just the deep connection to youth culture that teachers have. And so I think if you actually really look into when Eugene has been at its best and when Eugene has not, um, having people deeply connected to education helps. Uh, Mayor Kitty Piercy was a kindergarten teacher uh, and Mayor Jim Torrey notoriously read to all the kindergarten classes in 4J um, and these and was a member of the school board for a long time. And now he's back on the board, as you might know. Um and, you know, I could I could talk for hours about why education is important, but it's one of the few issues that I think is so intersectionally linked with the other issues that, you know, if I'm going to dedicate everything that I am and that I have and what I could bring to politics to an issue, I want education to be at the forefront. I see. I see. Yeah. yeah. You had me a bit at a loss for words myself. There, oh, politician. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're flowery with our language. <laughs> of course, it's to be expected. Yeah. Yes, but you also have a lot of other things going on outside of your interests in education, and a lot of, and to say a lot is sort of an understatement in my own words. You're a rapper and a hip hop artist, mm-hmm. and you're trying to start a business, if yes. I understand, called Rapper Ramen. Yeah, Rapper Ramen. Yes. Uh, Hell yeah. I, I was going to just call it the Hip Hop Ramen Shop. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's followed my campaign Instagram for a while uh, knows that I'm just like really obsessed with the idea of combining hip hop and ramen. I have been for you know, a couple of years since I went to Chicago and saw a restaurant called The Furious Spoon where that's what they did. And I went in there with my girlfriend at the time and we looked around and I didn't think they were doing that concept justice. I, I didn't think that they seemed to have great price, good prices. Which is actually, let's say that, that's the number one thing in terms of, of what I want out of a hip-hop ramen shop. Hip-hop is a genre of music that came from the streets, that came from jails, it came from urban black communities in the 60s and 70s. And it. if you're going to have a hip-hop ramen shop, I don't want to charge $16 a bowl. I want to have meals that are like, make you full for five, six bucks. Um, so that's a business plan, Absolutely. Um, and part of why I'm being a little bit of a loudmouth about that and or just have it on my ginormous list of like things that I've done and want to do on my Facebook at the top. Um, it, it's I believe in business opportunities in Eugene and I believe especially in like, you know, combining art and food. So uh, we have a lot of great restaurateurs who have a good sense of embracing music and art uh, around our community i'm not going to name names but we i mean eugene is a foodie town for a town of our size we have tons of great op- eating options um and at 25 years old looking around at what i really want to be doing um that's something i want to move forward with regardless of whether or not i win the mayoral election um but 
I want people to know that that's a plan that I have, and I and I want to name like dishes out for certain rappers, and I want to have tons of great art on the wall, and I want to have more than fifty percent of the music played to be by uh, like female, femme, or non-binary artists, not just male hip hop artists. Um, and we're gonna have an open mic, a little stage. Uh, I'm considering building it, but. That's basically as much rambling I need to do about that issue because there's not a lot that's really moved forward on it, frankly. No. Uh, it's just that it's uh, it's a concept that, that's in my heart. Okay, I see that. Yeah. So, now this is going to get a bit more philosophical and probably a Sweet. bit more conceptual. But well, I have weed, so you ask the question and I'm going to take a hit. All right, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But... Um, do you have a concept of a model leader, and not necessarily a perfect leader, but someone that has the traits and characteristics that naturally lend themselves to leadership? And if so, what are they? Or if you have any objections to that concept, what are those objections? It's an outstanding question, Lucas. <coughs> because the second part of the question I'll answer first we as an American society are often really focused on lifting up individual central figures when we talk about history. So as a social studies educator, you know, we're so focused on, oh, who was the person who ended the Civil War? Abraham Lincoln. Who was the person who got us out of the, the Great Depression? Franklin Delano Roosevelt. When the reality of social movements and change is that it's a team effort, and for things to really get done, especially progressive or liberal things to happen, it requires a groundswell of grassroots support. Um, so I appreciate that question because I I do want to push back against the idea that you know one leader like myself or like anybody running for office in 2020, wink wink, you should do it. Uh, you know the idea that they could fix everything it's 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 you know not correct. Um, but there are many, many, many great case studies in leadership where one person was able to have a tremendous impact. And I would tell you that ever since I was a fifth grader and our substitute teacher, Reese, who was a former uh, army man, you know, he lifted up his sleeves on his polo shirt and showed that he had tats on his biceps. Um, and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And then Rashid Wallace, my favorite basketball player, had a cool son on his bicep and I wanted tats, and I don't have them yet, but um, I really wanted MLK's face on my bicep. <laughs> Thank God I haven't done that because that just seems, especially if I don't have like a whole sleeve, it seems just weird. But I do like the idea that I'm walking around in a tank top reminding people of how goddamn attractive MLK was politically, socially, and physically. Uh, and... You know, I, I actually, to tie it into a slightly more serious direction, why why his leadership? There is an outstanding recognition of not only moral but spiritual leadership in what the Reverend Dr. King did. So one thing I want all people to understand as I try to educate the electorate throughout the next seven months until May 19th is that History is not simple and that we're living in history and that there are media interests that are invested in making things simple, quick, easy, truncated, you know, can be understood with not even clicking on the, the link, but just reading the headline, you know, you think you know what's going on. And the reason I say that is because like the faith community 
and the communities in the United States nowadays they're they're shrinking, um, probably with the exception of Islam, and they are often demonized by the left. I would say, uh, especially you know college campuses, especially by sort of some like li- somewhat militant atheists. Um, and like if you want to go ahead and say you know all religion is bad then you're effectively saying, you know, what MLK did was bad. Or you're saying that uh, the platform that he used to achieve relevance in the 60s um, is not legitimate. And so I don't agree with that. You know, I'm I'm interested in humanity and tough truths. And so I want to push back against binaries that I don't agree with. Um, conservative bad, liberal good, Trump evil, Hillary great. These are not binaries I subscribe to, and I think everybody who studies deeply understands that those things aren't true, but CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, all those people are really... Okay, quick example, and then I'll let you get to your next question. I used to work at Hilton Eugene. It's now called Graduate Eugene as a bellhop. They had four TVs on the wall. One was sports, one was Weather Channel, one was CNN, and one was Fox News. And anytime there was White House politics you would always see that the Fox News Chiron was deeply biased in Trump's favor, and CNN's Chiron was deeply biased against Trump. How we got to that place as a society is something I want people to be really critical of, because now the only fucking way I can get good information about this guy is to watch both of those networks, and I dislike both of them. (laughs) You know what I mean? You can still glean info from biased sources, but... You know, they there's a whole bunch of stuff they don't even cover, and you know it's it's hard to know when you're having a bias against them for having a bias, um, and so just being well-rounded and I, what I would call new media, and the ability of people like you and I to contribute our voices, um, is powerful. Yes. So. Back to the question that I asked first. Not saying that you weren't answering it, but just to... Oh, re- I have a tendency to go wherever I want to when I get a question, so oh. don't sweat it, man. No, it's all good. Right. But this is just to tie into my next point, is that the what I gleaned from that is you decidedly don't believe in the concept of a model leader. It's a, like you said, right. a groundswell, a grassroots right. effort. So... Oh, well, I mean, yes, Yes, but look at Bernie. Bernie is the most progressive champion of in our ma- major politics today, and he has a movement that supports him. But what I forgot to mention is I truly believe people are all waiting for leadership. Yeah. We're all just like kind of looking around at each other. It's like, what am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to vote for? What am I supposed to believe on this issue? Uh, and so you have to have somebody who has personality, first of all, mm-hmm. to lead a large group of people. You don't have to have personality to lead a tiny little town, but you have to have a big personality in our modern era to be able to cut through the noise, I think. Um, and so that's like one thing where I would say, yeah, that's a model leadership tenet that I would want people to have. But fundamentally, teams, groups, societies, organizations and corporations, etc., sovereign nations, they all know what their interests are. So one of the things I agree with conservatives on is that government's best that's close to the people. So, for example, Hawaii, their governor should not have the same values as Nebraska's, who should not have the same values as Alaska's. Like, people should be empowered to elect people who reflect them. And 
they know what leader they need, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I understand. I understand. Cool. Right. So Trump, as you said, definitely has the big personality component that you're talking about. 100%. Yes. And that was... So does Kanye, who I idolize and who likes Trump, even though I don't support Trump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. There's something to be said about that. But go for it. Go on. Sorry. Yeah. So now I'm just going to start... Uh, edging into that territory and i think you can we've already discussed a little bit of this and just talked about it, the big personality element of it but where does trump and his movement specifically the thing that brought him to success in the 2016 election where do those tie in with historical trends that you've studied and the concept of these model leadership and model leadership moments that you were bringing up earlier in cases such as the reverend king and other influencers great question because um i think that we should be really careful with our language all the time mm-hmm. um trump doesn't do that at all but my point with it is that um, what was the point I was going to make? I need not, I, I've learned I need to not consume too much of that when I'm doing podcasts. Um, let me just talk about Trump, though, broadly. I mean, he... Oh, here's what it was. Trump voters versus Trump supporters are two things that I don't think are necessarily the same. Because anybody who looked at the two candidates that had a viable chance of winning the 2016 election knew... There was nobody who was ideal. Hillary Clinton did not run a good campaign, even though I think she would have been a good president. Donald Trump is not a good president, but he ran an outstanding campaign. And so we need to all get away from demonizing everybody who checked the box for this guy because we need those voters and we need more unity and cohesion in the country. Um why I went on about that. It's just, it's been on my heart, this idea of Trump supporters. Trump supporters show up to his rallies, they wear hats, they um, do chants about walls that I don't believe in, (laughs) that I think are stupid when there's a fucking river. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, you know what I'm saying. But um, Trump voters are people who voted. And so I think it's better to have voted in the presidential election than to have not voted. Um but but remind me a little bit of what your question was because we started talking about Trump and then I don't yeah well I'm just talking how about it's gonna, oh his supporters yeah 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 well okay um, Trump ran as a populist and so there were two people who did that in 2016 um, Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump and they both achieved unparalleled sorry or like unprecedented success for a person of their candor and style and experience. You had two people who were not part of either the Republican establishment or the Democratic establishment. And that's what people discovered was exciting for people. Um, And so the problem with populism, though, is that it doesn't really require one of the greatest leadership uh, elements, which which is depth of knowledge. Like Bill Clinton was a populist because he went around... And told everybody, hey, is the economy stupid? He just had a laid-back southern charm, um, you know, blunt message. He was good-looking in the eyes of everybody. Uh, And Trump does so much of what he thinks people will like. 
Um, and I think that's it's either more than what he really thinks is good or he's just so um, he has so few principles truly in his own heart that he um, you know was willing to go from Democrat to Republican because he saw that that's where a lot of energy was that he could capitalize on as a wealthy white male businessman or whatever um, and so I don't see a lot of leadership when I look at Trump supporters I see a lot of people who are disaffected or who um, needed to do more homework. Um, and it's sad. But um, that's why we're here and that's why I'm here trying to run a campaign that doesn't just say, hey, I want to be the mayor of Eugene. But it, it simultaneously says, let's get way more young people out here running for office. And we are qualified and you can you can talk about your your qualifications for example in student government as completely legitimate as a qualification um and as a referendum on stupidity like people need to be informed um nobody can obsess not everybody can obsess about politics to the extent news to the extent that i do might not even be healthy all the time it's hard to draw that line when the internet is in our pockets all the time but um yeah, I don't see leadership there. I, I see um, the affirmation of stupidity. I'm not calling Trump supporters stupid, but but Trump affirms stupidity, promotes it, perpetuates it, promulgates it. And, uh, you know, I just used four words that he probably hasn't used in a year of the presidency because he appeals to the lowest common denominator, and that's not leadership. Right. This is fun, dude. Yeah. I'm glad you're having a good time because I certainly am. <laughs> oh, good. Yes. But yes, so now moving on to the, the well, in my eyes, the titular subject, the reason why I came here, it's the impeachment that's been going on. Peachy. Yes, and yeah. Trump's been surrounded by controversy since his inauguration around three years ago, and to see that there's another controversy is nothing new, but things are certainly different this time, at least in the most technical sense, in that now there's an ongoing impeachment inquiry. And something definitely changed. Either be the baseline events changed and that's all the reason why. Or maybe if this is depending on your perspective, something a bit deeper running between the two parties and maybe even the 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 uh, electorate. What do you do? You think anything has changed? Has it? I mean, well, you, you know, understand that the whistleblower had, you know, pretty accurately recalled the conversation where Trump bribed. You can't steal, dude. I can't take your shirt off and go to the neighbor and say, you know, you better help me dig up dirt on Lucy Venice or I'm going to give, not give – you know, it's not his property. He's not allowed to bribe a foreign country to interfere with our democracy with his own money, frankly. And he's especially not allowed to do it with foreign aid dollars that we pay for, taxpayers pay for. So that's the biggest thing that definitely changed. That even brought – um you know, Pelosi on board when a lot of people have been calling for impeachment since day zero, day one, negative day negative 30 of his presidency. Um, but I actually want to talk a lot about if you unless you want to feel free to jump in, by the way, you can definitely yeah. jump in, cut me off, you know, whatever um, about impeachment. If you have specific questions or you think what I'm saying doesn't make sense. But I have a lot of feelings about this. Um, the he absolutely is a president who deserves to be impeached. Um, however, here's my concern. Um, we are going to go all in on this impeachment thing as people who want to see Trump out of office. And if we lose, he will absolutely get reelected. 
That's my opinion. Because the Mueller investigation was an epic fail for people who want it. Like, sadly, there were there were a grand there were a great deal of uh, indictments that were found for people who supported Trump and worked for Trump and that he frankly collaborated with or took help from. However, we failed to get him, you know? Like Robert Mueller failed to get him on thing you know, anything that's really a smoking gun. That's my understanding. I haven't read the report, frankly. Sorry, I'm running for Mayor of Eugene. I haven't read the full Mueller report. I bet Lucy Venice hasn't either. Um, so with that, if we're going to go all in and try to do that, I sure hope it works. Because even if he gets impeached and doesn't get to leave office, there's a chance he would get reelected. Um you know, I don't think Mike Pence is popular, though, so if we can actually hustle along, get this guy out of office, let Pence be president for like five months or so before he has to run for re-election, we'll probably knock that guy out of office. So that would be good. Um, but, you know, I wasn't really on board for a long time with the extent to which the Democrats' focus has been impeaching Trump. My own congressman, Peter DeFazio, you know, it's like all of his biggest social media posts are about it and that's part of partly because that's what people want and they know about and they support and pay attention to but it's also because like it's an easy target we know this guy's a clown we know that the emperor has no clothes but we are bent on reminding people because it gets clicks and it gets attention and it and it's it makes us feel validated to all have a common enemy um, so when you messaged me on Facebook today asking if I wanted to talk about the Trump impeachment uh, inquiry, that's the first thing I wanted to give voice to is that this could be the stupidest thing ever. Um, but the problem is that it's actually negligent for Congress to not act when it's this flagrant. Um, so... I don't know. I don't know what this does. If he survives this and doesn't get impeached, then we have a terrible precedent set that a president can do anything, just pretty much anything, and uh, won't face consequences if they have a broad base of support. Mm. I see. Now, these are problems that go beyond Trump. These are problems that, from what I gather from what you've said, are more so societal and systemic, sure. and that Trump is an exploiter of these problems. Oh, very much so. Yes. So do you believe that these problems also exist on the local level and maybe even in the Eugene area? Not necessarily to the same extent. I'm not comparing Mayor Venice to Trump by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm just wondering. I don't think that would be an unfair thing to do. Oh. But you know you're talking to me, and I'm like... I'm the firebrand person who wants everybody to know how little this person has done for our city. <laughs> like, So, you know, you gave me a softball and I ran with it. Um, to answer your question, I genuinely think one of the beautiful things about American politics where we have a united states of one sovereign America is you can see almost any national issue reflected in, on the microcosms of local government. So, for example... Sadly, a lot of the good legislators and um, just good advocates for – no, I wouldn't call them good advocates. My point is I'm represented by people who are lazy now, and it's because they've been in office too long. And so I'm really for term limits at pretty much any office because what a term limit does, maybe even with some kind of flexible term limit, 
like um you know if we can actually find a way to make our democracy more democratic and do like star voting or other forms of voting that allow insurgent candidates to have more of a chance um God, i lost my train of thought talking about star voting um we can get uh some of these people out of office who are just they just have the 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 unbeatable name recognition the only way to beat somebody like ron wyden peter defazio especially my uh house uh, state house rep nancy nathanson is to either have a ton of money and <laughs> who's gonna spend a ton of money running a race for a job that makes like 20k like a state rep or a mayor not many people you have to be crazy and i am so um all i'm saying is that Trump as a problem, and he is a problem, like his presidency is a problem. I actually like him as a person, but I'm one of the very few progressive liberals who will say that and be unafraid to say that. Um, but I like all people as people too, so that's that's the caveat. Um, you know, when you have people like Trump, it's it's just someone who's really media savvy that we're seeing now is going to be able to have more impact than we think. And one of the biggest examples I will give is Andrew Yang. Yang doesn't have the political coaching that a Kamala Harris, even a Pete Buttigieg, um, an Elizabeth Warren, a Cory Booker has. He is himself. And he doesn't have a party to be aligned with. Well, he does because he's running for the Democratic Party nomination, but they're not the people who have fundraised for previous campaigns of his that he relies on to continue his reputation in life as a as a politician. He's a businessman and he has a great sense of appealing broadly to media folks, honestly. Um, and what I like about someone like him is, you know, he will go on, you know, even like the Rubin Report or, you know, the Young Turks are like internet shows. Um, and what I want people in Eugene to know is even though Eugene's kind of a little sleepy town, um, someone who actually has a good firm grip on uh, new media, multimedia, um, and even just the standard press, the typical press. You know, we have a lot of corporate press here in Eugene. Gatehouse Media owns Register Guard. And then, like, you know, if you watch KVAL, KMTR, KZI. Are you watching Eugenians on screen? No, you're watching like people from like California or Miami who are just, you know, communications majors who come in here and work here for a couple years and leave. It's like, it's like I want to find more ways to get local news to be done by local people, because um, we have that ability now in droves, and I want people to wake the hell up and realize. For example, Trump will absolutely win re-election if we keep giving him all the attention we do. That's the only. That's, I'm sorry, that's just how it is. Think about this. You know, imagine that 40% of the country shows up to the polls just because their significant other wanted them to. That's not true, but imagine that that were the case. So you got people who are married. They show up to the polls. They, they look at a ballot and they see Pete Buttigieg? Oh, Donald Trump. Well, I don't know anything about this Buttigieg guy. They're going to check Trump. It's name recognition that is so powerfully important. Um, and it, being an exciting candidate. Those are the two important things. So I'm trying to get my name out there a lot as a candidate. And I'm trying to 
excite people in terms of, hey, we could have a gender non-binary politician be elected in the United States. We could have a first mayor of color, a first LGBTQ person of uh, uh, mayor in Eugene. Like these things haven't happened because we only elect retirees uh, or people who are retiring to do the job. I'm not retiring to do the job. I'm going to keep working at the hotel. Uh, probably take very few, much fewer hours, um, but you know I need to need to make money, and we need to get people who are not of means of privilege of power who don't live on, in the South Hills up on a hill um, into office like yesterday, like immediately. So that's why you, you can tell I'm all urgent. I talk fast. I got a lot of ideas. I get derailed thinking about the other ideas that I have that I want to talk about. And then uh, I hope I answered your question. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. You actually not only answered my question, but you answered my next one as well. Because Swag. I noticed that you had a particular fondness for Andrew Yang, and his candidacy is what I was going to ask you about next. But seeing as you already asked that, answered that, I should say, I think I'm just going to look back on what we've talked about and make sure that not only I understand it, but the viewers you have also, and see if there's anything else that gets brought up in the midst of it. So, you strongly believe in education because you believe that's the only way for people to properly be informed on what's going on in the world, and then that, well, education informing people is a bit of a More about thing. Equitable, equitable societies Society. are built by good education, good public education frankly yes equitable societies and democracy relies on education and you've just been personally fond of music I actually don't think i heard why you've been so fond of rap and hip-hop in particular well i'll explain it do you have four minutes sure i'll explain the power of poetry using the lyrics of station brace station break by wax Hey yo, just another night under water-colored lights, taking you to previously undiscovered heights like a Mario, brother. Sorry, yo, brother, where art thou? Ask time for some art now, class. Fart cloud full of gassiest elements, the nastiest elements. Ain't nobody nastiest elements. A music R.I.P. coming to tracks from the fellas and sees other cats trash. They should bask in their own, irre in their own irrelevance. Alrighty then, hella gems spilling from an almighty pen. Got the jealous all biting, and they mad over spitting bars saltier than corned beef. Mad clovers in my yard. All of them are four-leafed. State government ban me from the lottery because winning them myself is synonymous terminology sometimes i gotta say it bourgeoisly because dudes who usually lose get confused probably get a new hobby i've been rapping since the lobbyists complained that the stones on the road were too cobbly impossible not to be snobby considering i'm constantly atop the roster olympian forever getting gold you ain't fucking with me captain i ain't never gonna fold i ain't nothing like a napkin Mike. this rapping's more like kidnapping bitch slapping or more accurately wrist slapping of a child in a cookie jar i am in a far more dialed in state than the rookies are y'all are subpar get my bookies card he be taking bets on moi because i'm nice with that blah 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 i'm a phoenix rising from the ashes calmly my prefix should be omni i'm awfully godly oddly these odd mcs they're at odds with me knowing odds are the odds will be in my favor making fake rappers sign waivers the paperwork's a headache but it ends up being a time saver i cater to a very wide range of hater verified names like lucy venice keep my name up in they monthly mailers dirty devil doing dastardly deeds top seed challenging me to a catastrophe leads when i spit some might actively impeach harassment because my income passively proceeds with its amassment a crooked smile of a high wine drinker the hook and line thinker got you hook line sinker i tinker with lyrics like a mechanic in an old garage artfully replacing the part of an old dodge dart classic like most art from moats arts considered unfiltered when the flow starts i simply open up my heart like the man or woman madonna sang to if i'm in your city i'm accepting marijuana thank you so it's education <laughs> 
Like, I don't know if you feel like you learned any stats or facts from what I just said, but <laughs> that's, I mean, I would show up to school and be so antisocial and, no- and nerdy that I would go into the bathroom before class instead of hanging out with all the other kids out front and listen to music. Like, just listen to my Creative Zen Micro MP3 player that had one gigabyte, I think. Um, and that's always going to be a part of who I am. And it just so happens that I'm running for mayor at 25. I frankly didn't expect to. Um, in college, I went through a lot of hard times. And I was like, oh, I'll probably never be a politician. It was really rough here. That people, When you're in politics, people slander you unfairly. I will probably do it on some level to Lucy Venice accidentally. You know, like... I even I was telling people something that Carlene Riley told me, which is that she doesn't have the data to use Facebook. I was like, the mayor of Eugene doesn't have the data to use Facebook? That doesn't make any sense. That's ridiculous. Facebook's the number one platform besides Google online for connecting with people and spreading information because Google owns YouTube. Facebook's number one. So then I discovered she does have the data. It's not an issue of that. It's just an issue she doesn't she doesn't bother with it. I don't think it's ever been a big part of her life, even though it's always been a big part of my life since it came out. Um. Yeah, so music has just always kind of been there, um, but I'm going to be able to speak to so many different types of voters, different kinds of people, make a very intentional effort to have face-to-face contacts with, for example, people in the Cal Young area or people in the South Hills of Eugene. These people I don't really know. Um, and, you know, growing up in North Eugene, which is kind of a little more like Hicktown, <laughs> but at the same time kind of more like... Um, a little more like uh, diverse with uh, Hispanic cultures as well and peoples and so I want to just reach out more uh, hit everybody that I'm not going to hit on the internet in person and then just hit everybody on the internet a lot with Yang style um, policy ideas seriousness um, and you know personality uh, I'm, I'll name it I'm I'm a, I'm a half Japanese person who was who never thought 2020 is when we would get a top four, top five, top six Asian American dude. Like, whoa, Kamala Harris is part Indian, but it's very kind of downplayed. A lot of Asian Americans have kind of felt like it's very downplayed. Um, and I, I'm not I'm not <laughs> going to tell her how to identify, you know. Uh, she'll do whatever she wants, but I don't look at her and be like, yes, we're breaking a boundary for Asian Americans by electing her. I'm much more like we're breaking a boundary, electing a woman of color and electing another black president and electing the first woman. But I don't look at her and be like, okay, yay. Now Asians are included at the table. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I'm inspired by Yang. I love music. I'm going to keep doing music. I'm going to do rap battle. Your mayor It's going to come out. Um, yeah, we don't have a ton of time. Um, but you know, can I flip it on you? Can I try to can I try to bring you know bring out some of who you are and what you offer as a student at the university? Sure. And what do you mean by that? I mean, I want to just interview you, man. I'll, I'll, let's let's say, okay, you're from Vancouver, BC, yeah. which is a beautiful, beautiful place. But something brought you all the way to not only not like a big uh, big place in the United States, like LA or San Francisco or Seattle. What brought you here to University of Oregon? Well, it didn't necessarily bring me to University of Oregon in particular. It brought me in 2006, and it was my dad getting a job here in Portland through his company building a building there. 
And so I just stayed here. I went to elementary and middle and high school here. And I did go back up for a while in Vancouver and came back down. And now the family's back up in Vancouver. So I spend my time flip-flopping back and forth between nice. the two countries. But that's not really much of a point. The re I didn't actually think I was going to the University of Oregon either. I was thinking that because of my Canadian citizenship, I was going to go for the lower tuition price at the University of British Columbia, mm. uh, UBC, which I did get into, but it was only at the very last minute, and I mean that literally, the night before the final applications were due at the UO, that I figured based on advice that I'd gotten from advisors and family and friends that I should consider the University of Oregon because they have a great journalism program there, nation renowned. Yeah. And that I had education too, as you probably know. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And uh that's what I got. That's what I applied. And then when I looked at the scholarship amounts and that I was also admitted to the honors college there and had always considered Clark. Yep. Had always considered law and graduate school. It just seemed like a better option, though the price tag was heavier. I do come from some means, so that necessarily wasn't a problem at the moment. Cool. So yeah, I chose it as a sort of circumstance and wasn't actually really going to consider it at all until I had that sort of spur of the moment decision. I think that's a great set of circumstances that would bring you here. Um, I want to ask you about, do you consider yourself an, an immigrant? And if so, do you think that um, the conversation about immigrants um, sufficiently includes you? And that, do you, do you re resonate with it? Or do you kind of feel like uh, the terminology doesn't uh, refer to like who you are? Well, I... So, for one, I don't think it does, but I also think it doesn't necessarily need to. Cool. I never really felt that oppressed or excluded because of my status as a Canadian immigrant. Sure, when I was in elementary school and when I went back up to Canada, everyone thought I was a big fat American who loved to eat mm -hmm. McDonald's and mm -hmm. ha ha ha, funny <laughs> stereotypes. And then of course- And you're like, fuck you guys, I still love maple syrup. Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> and then I come back down to America and it's like, oh, look at you, you, you moose loving, maple syrup yeah. chugging, like Mountie, like- I've never like personally you and your healthcare, you bastards. Yeah, person <laughs> like personally I feel like a metric of not necessarily oppression but at least how it feels, like the negative feeling is how effective the insults and potentially slurs are because the thing is is that as a Canadian and as just a white person in general, right. there isn't really anything anyone can say to me, no matter the term, a tone, or circumstance that targets either of those things that on its own feels like hostile. Like this guy's you, woke bay right you, here. He like, gets it. Like you can say I tried to trick you, but you, you didn't take the bait. Yeah. Just checking to make sure it's still recording. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, like you can say, "Oh, look at you, you, you whitey, you cracker, you, right. you mounty," and Bonky, it's like whatever. It's yeah, like, it's like there's no is... historical legacy of violence tied to those terms. Yeah, like I don't, of course not. So no, I don't really feel like I belong in that, but I also feel like I don't need to. Like it's sort right. of like a, it's a cursory tag that I'm an immigrant. It doesn't define who I am, and I do identify more as an American than a Canadian. I just like to specify it so that I can include that in the conversation because it's. Sometimes interesting to just talk about being in different places. I think that's fantastic. Um, I would love to learn more about the government out there. Um, you, I know y'all have three territories, and is it ten provinces? 
that and, and it, BC is a province. Yes, it is a province. Okay, yeah, that's cool. a, that's about right from what I remember. Personally, I haven't really. Yeah, I I learn it every time I go back up there, and then I immediately forget it once I come back down here. But yeah, I mean, the reality that I'm bumping up against with politics and stuff, which is part of why my approach is so youth oriented at this point, I would tell you, yeah. is that um, people don't tune in much to politics until they're in their 30s or 40s. Once you become a, a head of a family or a homeowner or you know a business owner, a small business owner. That's when it really starts to resonate with you what's going on, like particularly with taxes, particularly with uh, business regulations. But, you know, just here we pay eWeb, you know, paying the utilities, paying Santa Pack to come pick up, you know, whether you live in the county or not in the county. Uh, just alter, you know, zoning, the urban growth boundary, you know, these are things that like someone your age and I would probably even say our age because what are you, 23? No, I'm 20. You're 20? Yep. Dope, man. Yep. Glad I didn't offer you a beer. <laughs> Do you yep. want a beer? I mean, in Canada, I could drink one, but no, nah, I'm smart. Good. Yes. Yeah. I'm um on like stuff that like that. I'm pretty libertarian, you know, Um, I'm a democrat or whatever but i'm like the most unenthusiastic democrat ever right now being being in lane county and also um well one thing i'll say dnc just the dnc democratic national committee just said they're gonna put 12 candidates on the debate stage which is cool but i literally think as an educator i'll just spitball it here man and then i'll want to ask you another question because i love hearing you talk too is that like, can we get some small groups here? Can we, like, break up in a discussion? Can we get, like, audience? Like, you know, each person gets a twelfth of the audience and they talk to. And you kind of, like, what, you know, broadcast it on two channels. Oh, I want to watch, you know, what Biden's saying to his people. Like, give them an assignment, you know? Do something bold, DNC. Show that you care. To make these people lead instead of giving these stupid platitudes. These 90-second fucking you know responses about healthcare policy or these 45 second rebuttals if you've been called out uh it's it's all people trying to make zingers it's predictable like oh kamala harris she's not doing so well in the polls she really needs to play up the you know kind of social justice angle boom joe biden's racist basically and then Oh, Tulsi Gabbard kind of getting outshined as a woman of color, not really having a lane in the race, not really, you know, seen as a true progressive. Bam! Goes after Kamala Harris's record as Attorney General of California. You can tell I watch politics like it's my sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, my laptop does many zany things, and blinking like that is one of them. I should have left it. That would be entertaining for the video viewers. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. It's nuts. I mean, so as a journalist... Uh, in in the making, and I I actually really like the idea of students like you should just say you're already the thing you're gonna become, yeah. like like P- PhD candidates do this all the time. They kind of smudge the terminology to make it sound like they already have it or something. Yeah, doctoral something candidate student eh, doctoral that's all people need to hear, and then they know you're you think you're smart. Um, <laughs> I don't like people with PhDs all that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. National politics is that kind of what you want, would love to report on more, or do you think you want to be more in the field and like you know in the community and reporting about local stories or what kinds of 
angles and what kind of themes do you want to explore in your journalism? Well, I said before at the start of this uh, interview off camera and off mic, but um, I'm also a computer science major and the science journalism angle is what I personally am fond of. My siblings growing up always... Well, I won't say hated me, but they really disliked they dis <laughs> they disliked my intense love of science documentaries because I still love haters. I still because that's nuts. Yeah, I still loved like SpongeBob, and I still love stuff like this. And I'm obviously playing this up just for the sake of a funny memory. Right. But I was always sitting at home saying, "Let's watch the Nova documentary on the immortal jellyfish," or "Let's watch the Nova documentary on. on the the Tibetan ecosystem." and things like that and (laughs) that's always captivated my interest so if i were to choose right now what i would spend the rest of my life doing i would kill to be one of the journalists that works for national geographic or scientific american that goes around and gets to talk to the world's top scientists see what's going on and gets to experience all those things so if i were to ask which scope I would prefer. I would definitely go on the macro side. I'm definitely inclined toward traveling. And really, I would love to be with the scientists of the world and see what they're doing and all the interesting discoveries and, more importantly, processes that are going on. Because I empathize with your statement that um, there's a bit too much dedicated towards the monumental achievements. It's always like, this person created this. But I've always found great interest in the Let's talk about the 500 scientists that failed to do that or failed, (laughs) not really failed. That's also a bit of a judgmental statement, but we're working toward that because they often have just as interesting, if not more interesting stories. And as a journalist, with my starry-eyed optimism amidst this whole rather unpleasant environment journalism is now sort of grown it situated itself in yeah i would i would very much like to bring light to those stories yeah yeah well i think that's a very uh eloquent thoughtful answer i think that's really cool um you talked a little bit about like you know monumental achievements and being over celebrated um i think that's a good thing for me to hear right now because um like i agree with that um, but I am just like, I mentioned Kanye earlier, you know, Kanye thinks that Kanye is God, but now makes these bold declarations. Like Kanye recently said, he's not going to make any more, uh, secular music. He's only going to make gospel music, uh, with no swear words. That's not happening, you know? Um, but I'm into these big ideas, big figures, you know, green new deal. Boom. Let's go make it a reality because the new deal was everything. In terms of getting us back on track after we had just crashed the stock market in 29 and just all sorts of shit. And my point is that I actually think that I wish something big would happen in Eugene. That's what I'm waiting for as a progressive who's seen uh, these issues getting just so out of hand. Uh, My five issues I care about most. Education, mental health, climate, housing, and art. Yeah, education, mental health climate housing and art they're probably each gonna at least get a song and then they might each get their own ep (laughs) like i'm gonna just rap a lot about these fucking things yeah um because my frustration with mayor venice is i talked to her one-on-one uh for an hour she's a nice enough person and she and and we get along i would say frankly um which makes it good because i want to be her successor successfully (laughs) <laughs> and carry Eugene forward in a good transition 
that is also a renewed boldness we need to see in leadership here. Leadership is essential. I studied leadership and taught leadership effectively in a program called uh, Leadership Enterprise for a Diverse America mm-hmm. at Princeton three summers. Sorry to cut you off. No, but no, I'm just going in different directions. You, you, said, you said your frustration with Mayor Venice is... Yeah, she and doesn't then have a w- major accomplishment. Okay. So, sorry. Yes, she... I talked to her one-on-one and she said, you know, it's not about putting your stamp on it. That's what she said. Instead of naming anything that she's done that's major, I just want to see, you know, I'm trying to write a book called The Eugene New Deal. And that's that it's probably going to be the same document or largely the same text as my campaign strategic plan. Um, and that strategic plan, first draft, is coming out October 10th uh, of 2019. So... You know, it's good for me to hear what you said about, you know, you know what? Leadership isn't always about, like, big monumental achievements. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's what I want to run with. And mm-hmm. then when I – the good thing is if I can successfully win in May, I have from of May 20th all the way till 2021 to know that I'm, I'm the mayor-elect, I will be the mayor, and I have a lot of learning I can do about how to do the best job possible. Right now, it's about getting my message out as far and wide as possible, which is why I have the tactics I have. But I don't think people <laughs> people are silly to think I would be more erratic or crazy as a as a as a mayor than I've been as someone who's frustrated about a number of really legitimate things to be frustrated about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I always like to ask people because we're at 55 minutes and I've really appreciated your time. Thank you. Um, let me ask you now before I ask this question. Do you have any way that you want people to connect with what you're doing, like any social media, Twitter or anything? Well, uh, I do have social media accounts, but really I just created those as, a, well, I guess I should be having these because <laughs> I never really used it much. I grew up in the countryside on a farm, so the internet was pretty bad. Uh, we did have access to it. And but I didn't really grow up too much. Of course, when I was older and going to like middle and high school, we I was using a lap like laptop more often and things like that. But I didn't really interface with the technology too much. And as a result, kind of like I grew up away from the whole social media stuff. So I do have them. So like, and also if you're around fewer people, there's fewer people to be connected with on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and stuff. Yeah. So I'm pr- like, but like, I'm pretty sure I have a Twitter at like. At Lucas, but with a K. Lucas spelled with a C, but it's very it's confusing. I designed it okay. specifically so okay. the tag was hard to understand. Right. But yeah, no sweat. No, but yeah, well, well, Lucas, let me ask you this because you know what this show's all about. What's one way? Define this as broadly as you want that we could all be less stupid. The way to be less stupid is well to keep it simple is to look at things that people aren't looking at to i don't know when you google something and you're looking for a search go to the 29th page of google Mm. and this isn't going to get you what you want i can guarantee it (laughs) but you'll probably find something there that's rather interesting and really that's sort of a metaphor for how you go about and you learn all these things is you learn things not by going through what's the predicted response but you learn things by what's unpredicted. That's how most of science, well, not most of, that's a generalization, but a lot of science is is achieved through unexpected results, and that's how a lot of the world is defined by unexpected results. 
That was outstanding. Thank you, Lucas. Yeah. I think what people should know, because this is probably the first episode of this format of Less Stupid. Um, what people don't know is that there might be hundreds of episodes of Less Stupid that have preceded this. They've just yet to be relabeled as episodes of Less Stupid. Because I've put out a ton of content that's kind of like this or that's just I, that I'm proud of. And it's, it sounds a lot cooler to say, yo, I'm episode 231 than, you know, oh, episode 12. You know, so deal with it I, I intend for them to all be quality but the point i want to make is in the description of the youtube video where this will be um we'll just throw a link near the top of the description of your answer to that question because it was so great okay thank um, you so if you hit that link go to the start watch the chat i was a little more sober at the beginning we, we had a good time um and thank you lucas everybody i hope you have a wonderful day peace